1: Is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious head to factormeals.com justbreakup 50 and use code just 50 to get 50% off that's code just 50 at factormeals.com justbreakup 50 to get 50% off
0: Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra Demolder,
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like our partner's thirst traps, (laughs) hindsight, and not being sure. Yeah. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we're not licensed mental health or relationship advice therapist people.
0: No. And on top of that... We're sleepy on top of that. That's
1: right. <laughs>
0: we're recording early 7.45 in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> due to some scheduling stuff and we're tired. So take that I'm into account. I'm very sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble, muse, humble sleepy musings to, to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly a confusing experience. That is love. Okay, so... We have a check-in topic inspired by a letter, but first I want to remind everyone that last week we debuted some brand new Just Break Up merchandise, a crew neck hoodie, um, or sweatshirt, not a hoodie, um, that says and also on it, and a journal, our first ever journal. Um, Both of these are made in collaboration with uh, Rare Press, an amazing designer and block printer in Minneapolis. These things are selling fast. Hot, hot on the market, whatever people say. Um, So make (laughs) sure. Hot on the market uh, is
1: not the thing that people say, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Hot off the press. There we go. But like. It's selling in yeah. the market. I don't know.
1: <laughs> like hotcakes. Like hotcakes. Selling I think like hotcakes. Something,
0: <laughs> something about these things are hot. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. But they're hot. So this is all to say: make sure you get them now. We're running out of sizes, and those notebooks are limited print. We only printed fifty of them. So oh. um, I know get them, and and we've gone through like half of them already in That's a week. Great. Yeah. So
1: buy it, keep it. It give will it away. Only increase in value and <laughs> then you can sell them and retire. It's oh, going to be like funny. Beanie Babies, oh but my our, God. Our, our notebooks.
0: <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say like, buy it, give it away. But you just like went the Scrooge, <laughs> the Scrooge <Yeah>. route. <laughs> um, but on that note, keep in mind, holidays are coming up Um and you can find those two pieces of merchandise as well as the rest of our collection still running sales on some things at justbreakapod.com. The second really quick thing is this week we have our second ever interview um, head and heart work conversation interview series. We are debuting an interview with the wonderful Virgie Tovar, who is a internationally renowned um body-positive warrior. She lectures on weight-based discrimination and um, empowerment, and I think she's just like a general badass. If you want to check out her work before you listen to the episode that debuts on Thursday, you can find her on Instagram at Virgie Tovar, all over the internet, etc. published a couple of books, but that is such a great conversation, and we can't wait to share it with you. So you can find that on our primary feed on Thursday. Or wherever you get your podcast, just under our name. Oh, and one more thing: um, we are working with a new ad agency, a new um, agency that is helping us get sponsors, so that we can keep providing you this awesome podcast for free. Um, and if you heard an ad in last week that, like, maybe didn't align with our morals, or your. Uh, you, what you assume our morals are. Um, sure. We're working on it. We are setting very specific preferences for the ads that are being run on our ad uh, on our show. And we're sharing this just to say, um, if you hear something, if you hear an ad that, d- that sort of like stands out to you, shoot us a DM um, because we're learning as we go too. And because the ads are targeted to people all over the world differently, we're not going to hear everything that's going to be run um, through this agency. And so... You're going to be helping us through this process. If you hear an ad that doesn't necessarily morally align with just breakup... Does that make sense.
1: Perfect. Yeah. No, it absolutely yeah. does. Yes. Because we're we like have to go through and be like no to this type of industry, no to this type yes. of industry. But the categories are very confusing and, and like
0: vague. Remember the whole conversation yeah. about like men's health that we had? Like we did not <laughs> yeah, choose right. men's health because we didn't want to like right. shame people for erectile dysfunction. Like um, yes,
1: absolutely. Anyway.
0: And just as a general, like thanks for um, supporting us through through this process as just breakup grows and learns new ways to monetize ourselves, so that we can keep bringing you this weekly free thing. Um, Yeah, that's that's all. Um, Okay, our check-in topic. Finally, it's inspired by a letter who from somebody who is going by Hi again, who is writing to us from underneath the covers. And it's an adorable little message. Um, and basically, they were saying that they really appreciated it. at one point we said something to an, another letter writer that was, where did you learn that love is conditional? And this really stuck with this person. And they write, I'm writing because I just saw a tweet, LOL, <laughs> that said, quote, there's no such thing as unconditional love, just codependency. All relationships, even parental, have conditions, and you have the right to leave any relationship that doesn't meet or violates these conditions. People who rely on codependency to keep their relationships intact hate hearing that. In my experience, and the letter writer says this sort of put them in a panic um, because they've always been worried and scared that they'll become codependent, um, mm. etc. And just like basically is wondering what our thoughts are about that tweet, the thoughts about codependency, dependency, and the idea of conditional or unconditional love. Um, hmm. And the le- they end the letter by saying this tweet put me back into the quote, love is conditional mindset. When I feel like I've been working so hard to deconstruct that root in me. Um, you, the idea that you have to earn, you know, you have to earn being treated well or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting check-in topic. Um, and I know you did as well. Um hmm. And I think that it's a perfect opportunity to remind everyone that they, that at least to me, there are very little like absolute truths, (laughs) (laughs) especially on fucking Twitter, (laughs) because I love that tweet. I love that tweet. And at the same time, I have found it in my personal journey, in my understanding of love, very empowering for me to, to, to assess my relationship with the idea that love is conditional, that I have to behave in a certain way to earn it, right? Mm -hmm. That has been really empowering to me. On the other hand, um, I totally believe that there is no such thing as unconditional love because we all have standards and behaviors and checkpoints that get us through life. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I do. And I also think that this sort of relies on the assumption that love means that we're together or Mm. love means that we're, we have full access to each other and love doesn't have to look like that. I can love you from a distance. Right. I can say like, I see the humanity in you and I love it. And also you're treating me really poorly. So I don't want to be around you. Right. Like I don't. Right. But I still love that person, even though, you know, that doesn't necessarily go away, even though they're treating me poorly. Right. Um, So I think, I think it sort of also depends on like what your definition of love is, right? If love means that we're in each other's lives and we don't do anything with anyone else, then like, then yeah, that's codependency for sure, right? Like, and that's, that's not, not helpful either. But I think the idea of like, we are all inherently lovable and loved, right? Yes, Like loved for sure. And that the things that we do can cause people to do things out of the love for us that make them want to be distant from us or make them want to not be around us. And that's also true. But, like, I think the the point of talking about who taught you that love, yet that love for you is conditional, is more about like who told you you had to behave in a certain type of way in order to be loved rather than saying, like, you can do anything you want to people and they should just always be in your life. Like that's, that's not what we're saying. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to challenge. um, And, you know, speaking specifically from my, from my experience, like for me, it was about challenging the idea that um, I was only valuable in a partnership, family role, friendship. If I behaved in a certain way, Um, And that there was no leeway in that I couldn't be a human, I couldn't make mistakes, I couldn't take up space or, or be selfish every once in a while, you know, like, for me, it it was like a lot about deconstructing um, this impossible expectation that I was putting on myself. Instead, accepting the universal truth that there, that I just don't believe that we like, you know, end our life and go see our God or whatever. (laughs) And Mm -hmm, they, mm -hmm. and there's like a checklist of like, are you naughty? You're nice. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And instead it's like, I have to believe that there's inherent worthiness in all of us because I see it in others. Like, why can't I see it in myself? Um, Mm. That's really what breaking down the condition, conditional versus unconditional love to me was, um, and then in terms of like giving myself in the same conversation right it's it's saying that it's not selfish of you to say i love you i see your your inherent worth and and the way that you're suffering but the way you're treating me is hurting me right now and i am mm-hmm. therefore allowed i'm not hurting you i am not i might be disappointing you but i'm not hurting you i'm not doing something wrong as a person to say like i i'm not going to accept this behavior and i need to take space from you i need to love you from mm-hmm. afar like you said for me they're connected even though like i think it gets confusing semantically because we're using similar words you know yeah yeah unconditional and conditional they're they're related right but in in this instance they're it's a lot more complicated, I think.
1: For sure. And we're using the word love. And love, of course, has like 27 billion, billion. different meanings. Right, <laughs> right. Right? right. Like, it's like, like everyone probiotic. is just like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's an A plus joke. <laughs> If I, could, if I do say so myself.
1: This is great. It's okay. great. it's not FDA regulated love, no, you know, no, so no. there are no like fixed <laughs> definitions of it.
0: I bought some probiotic the other day. and It was like it like one would be like 55 billion active cultures, 85 billion active cultures. And I was like, what's the what? How are you measuring this? You know, anyway, continue.
1: Now, I don't know. I don't know where to go from there, but yeah. <laughs> <sighs> um Go ahead Yeah I mean I think that that's No it's just one of those things Where it's like uh, Multiple truths can be same, true at the same time And like what that yeah. person said on Twitter Is like super legit And I totally. absolutely agree with it And I also still think that love can be unconditional And that we are all yeah. worthy of unconditional love Even if Sometimes Based on the things that we're doing to people They don't want to be around us
0: <laughs> Yeah I, I think about You know, my, my marriage, right? Like we work hard to, to communicate well and lovingly to each other. Um, and, and that, and that marriage would undoubtedly crumble if I was behaving in a way in which Willow, my wife didn't feel respected and reciprocated, you know, like that's not, it's not sustainable. And also at the same time, so our love is conditional, Number one, but, and at the same time, in order to build a certain amount of vulnerability and trust and like foundation, her, we, her and I have had to lean into this idea of, um, inherent unconditional love. The idea that like, we're going to see each other through some hard times. We're going to inevitably fuck up. We are going Mm. to, um, I'm allowed to be imperfect. She's not going to break up with me. Break up with me. She's not going to divorce me if <laughs> if I am imperfect. You know, I have to show up for that shit. You know, mm-hmm. I have to show mm-hmm. up and be accountable to that behavior. But she, I feel like love being, it's not about love being unconditional. It's about um, love honoring humanity, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I see you're, you are a human. You're allowed to fuck up, right? You're allowed to, as long as you come to the table, come to the arena, Um, then you're, you're engaging in, in that, in that inherent humanness, that inherent lovability. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've, we've, go ahead.
1: No. And I was just going to like, I also have people in my life who I love dearly, who I am not in relationship with anymore. Right. And I love them and I wish them well, and I hope that they are happy and healthy and at peace. And like, I miss them and I feel a very strong feelings toward them and, They're not in my life because of the way that they treated me or the way that we interact with each other. And like, and, and so it is, I think it is like relationships can be conditional, right. In terms of like how we choose to interact with each other, but love doesn't have to be. Right. And I think that like, wow, I honestly feel a lot of love for like everyone in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Like even the people that I hate, right. Like, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like Mitch McConnell, you know, like I. I think he's an awful, horrible human. And also I'm like, and he's a human. And so yeah. like, you know, I'm, I, I feel a connection. I feel a love for him. And I I hope that he finds peace and stops taking out his um, wounds on other people. Right. But like, I still like love him for being a human and think that he's worthy of love and kindness and care. Um, right. Even as he's enacting horrible things on people. Right. So like. I don't like that's more of what I was thinking of when like love is is unconditional is like yeah we are all humans and and actually if we can learn to love each other we might actually like make a better world rather than being yeah. like I hate you
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate Mitch
1: Connell though no so. <laughs> I know I know you do
0: I know that was like I was like wow same thing as the high road on this one <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. um all right well we hope that clears it up by making it even more complicated <laughs>
1: Yes, that's um, honestly, that should be the motto of our of our podcast. Of yeah. We clear things up by making them more complicated. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You just have to deal with the complicatedness. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Uh, you want to get into our letters?
1: Let's do it.
0: Okay, so fun thing about this episode, I think we've done this like maybe once or twice in the existence of Just Breakup, but all three letter writers are he, him, pronoun users. Um, yes. So there you go. The first letter writer is coming to us from Robert, whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing to us from Australia. Hey, you two. I've been a longtime listener of the pod, and I wanted to start by saying thank you. I found your podcast right after a breakup that left my heart in a million tiny little sad pieces for a long time, and listening to your podcast helped me immensely on my journey of healing. I've started seeing this beautiful, gentle, kind, and thoughtful man. We've known each other for two years and have been dating weekly pretty seriously for about three months. He always has and still is posting thirst traps to his Instagram story. The story I tell myself when I see these pictures is this. Oh, he is clearly doing this because he enjoys the sexualized attention he gets in his DMs. I never responded to these thirst traps because, one, I would never anyway, and two, I don't like the idea of competing for attention in somebody's inbox. I guess I'm starting to feel a little jealous of whatever might be going on in those DMs. Enjoying mm. this kind of attention is fine, but it does make me wonder, is this a red flag? Doesn't that sound like Carrie Bradshaw from...
1: It does. It does, for sure. But it does
0: make me wonder, (laughs) Uh uh, does this even mean anything? Does this mean he is wanting the attention from other men and not really that interested in me? In a time when it seems like online personas are being exposed as so fake, should we take people's online behavior as meaningful? Literally, I read that whole thing in Carrie Bradshaw's voice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In a time when connection in New York City is difficult. And you know? honestly, seriously. <laughs> Love it you does guys. does sound
1: like it. Robert.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Robert, for writing with this very ador- adorable and important question and for letting me live out my Carrie Bradshaw fantasy like, rich white woman who complains of being poor but buys fancy shoes fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's my favorite type of fantasy to live for sure. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, I'm going to turn this one to you. I'm going to let you open this one, Sam.
1: Yeah. Um. So I guess I'll just say, starting off, that like, um, welcome to the club of feeling jealous. I think that that mm-hmm. is like that people. Um, that we honestly get a lot of folks who write into us about like their partner's behavior on social media and mm-hmm. sort of like what it means. Um, and we get a lot of letters from folks who are posting pictures of themselves on social media and their partners don't like it. So it's yeah. like, we're, we sort of are seeing like both sides of this, this thing. And it's, um, it's an interesting quandary because like, this is all kind of new. I mean, social media for sure has been around for, you know, 10 years now, still more than new that, 15 years, but in, it's like,
0: yeah. In terms of like human evolution and development.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I've been thinking about that so long, lot, so much lately. Yeah. I'm like. Y'all, humans have been around for a long time, and like the Industrial Revolution was just like two hundred years ago. It's like ago. a heartbeat like, that's ago. A, that's in, like nothing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I to put things in context, I've heard that like, um, if the entire existence of the Earth was put into one year, humans mm-hmm. would enter the second half of the last minute or second or something of the year or whatever.
1: For sure. For sure,
0: and then Instagram is the last like I don't know fleeting yeah. thought. <laughs> uh, like we're not we we are not equipped to handle this.
1: <laughs> no, our brains are like, what is happening?
0: Yeah, so like Sam said, this is like welcome to the world of of a je- a level of complicated feelings of jealousy that we were like never equipped to handle in the first place.
1: <laughs> For sure.
0: And also I want to like give you a pat on the back um, or like a cheesy thumbs up for, I love the sentence that you wrote. The story I'm telling myself when I see these pictures is mm. this, right? Like, I think that's a very helpful tool to clarify what our brain, you know, all the voices in our brains and, and the things that they could be telling us about the motives behind these selfie postings. But on the other hand, Um, While that is a very helpful tool to tell yourself the story that you're, that, that, that you believe, I'm not necessarily sure that's true. Like I, I really, Mm -hmm. I really don't, I think an important thing to remember is that the story that you're telling yourself is one story and that. As we exposed in the check-in topics, there are there can be many different layers to things, many different meanings. And so it could be that he feels good about himself and these sharing these selfies makes him feel good about himself. Not the mm-hmm. not the reciprocation, right? But just like I this makes me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Another thing in our like human evolution is we're gonna have to push through the feelings of we know what it means when people do X, Y, and Z on Instagram. Do we really know? Do we really know what this right. means? Um I, like honestly, I think about when I post selfies, and I post them less and less these days. But now, now, when I do, I think I look good in this picture. I'm gonna post it and share something about my life. And then maybe if I post them in the stories, like you get those like, What I'm trying to say is like mostly I just get like those love emojis and those fire emojis. It's not like people are like, dang, I want to fuck you. (laughs) You know, like it's the the affirmation that you receive from selfies. I don't know if it's as explicit as our fear brains tell us it is. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's mostly it's like likes And, and you're right to say, Robert, you're right to be like online persona's are often fake, right? And superficial. And we all know that the quest for likes is like a very bizarre and toxic one in our culture. But on the other hand, it can also, it can <clears throat> be harmless. I don't know. What do you think?
1: No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that there are multiple reasons why people would post pictures of themselves, their straps. Um, and I think we don't know, right? Like, because we we're, we're not talking to your boyfriend right now. <laughs> like, mm. if we were, I would. We could ask him, right, and be like, "Hey, friend, like, why do you post these pictures? What do you get out of it?" Curious, right? Like, and I think that's really what I would encourage you to do is to talk to him about this. Not in a way of like you could even say at the beginning of that conversation, like, "I'm interested in in knowing more about you and why you're doing this." I don't need you to change it, and I don't need you to fix it. Like, you're not doing anything wrong. I'm just like. I'm honestly interested in like what, why your persona is the way that it is, or like why these pictures are being, or why you post these types of pictures. Um, like you can, you can be curious about it and ask him about it rather than sort of assuming that there's a reason why he's doing it and assuming the types of conversations in his, his Instagram. Yeah. And at the same time, you're probably never going to know what's happening in his DMs, right? Yeah. Like, That's the reality of being in a relationship with people is that they have a, a, they have
0: an inherent right to privacy,
1: right? Like you don't have it. You're not entitled to see the types of conversations that he has in those Instagram DMs. And at the same time, they also have the infinite capacity to hurt us, right? (laughs) That's like, that's what relationships are. Yeah, Um, So you can either sort of embrace that and like choose to trust this person or you can sort of. Stew on this and like, think about this all the time, right? Like those are, those are kind of the options, but you can, you can also have conversations and say like, Hey, I've never dated someone who like posts pictures like this on, on Instagram. And like, I'm sort of processing through my own feelings on it. Like not that you're doing anything wrong, not that you need to fix anything, but I would love to have a conversation about like what, what you get out of this and like why this is happening or like, however you want to phrase it to, to sort of just be curious, just to ask the question.
0: Yeah. You could even be vulnerable and say it's challenging me, but I don't want it to, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sitting here, I had like another epiphany thought, and it, I'm going to do what we said in the check-in topic, which is like try to help by making it more complicated. Because <laughs> mm. I was sitting here thinking, um, there's two things in this letter that I keep fixating on. One, um, he's doing this because he, um. W- he enjoys the attention number one, like that assumed whatever and assuming that that is a bad thing to like want Mm. this superficial attention. And number two, the idea that Robert didn't want to respond because he doesn't, he doesn't want to like affirm his partner's like beauty or confidence or thirst trap or whatever, because he doesn't want to compete there. that, Mm -hmm. That word like competition is, is stuck in my mind and it's, making me think about a conversation we had a couple episodes ago about like demonogamizing the mind, right? I'm not mm. saying Robert that you need to have an open or a non-monogamous relationship. Um, but I want us to, I want us to dig deeper into why it makes us uncomfortable when our partners or our crushes or our lovers feel good about themselves. And the source of feeling good about themselves is from someone other than us. Like, mm. why is that so challenging for us? Because let me tell you, Robert, it's challenging for me. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that my crunchy, hippie wife doesn't have Instagram, right? <laughs> like, I don't have to deal with that, right? But it has challenged me in Did the past. Did she
1: even do Instagram on that tiny phone that she
0: has? <laughs> <laughs> she got, she updated. She she got it. Design. Okay. <laughs> she had an iPhone 4 for like 13 years.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was so small. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Anyway, so I... I just want to say like, I, this is no judgment. Like I would have to work through these feelings too. I, I have to work through these feelings when she has like a great day with her friend, but I have to ask myself, Mm. why am I, why do I feel threatened by my partner's joy or my partner's confidence Mm. or by my partner's external affirmation that comes from something that isn't me? Um, What taught me? That su- my partner being feeling sexy and posting a picture was something that I was only supposed to, that was only supposed to be for me or only supposed to be like for single people or like where did I learn that this is you know you say it in your letter is this a rep like enjoying this attention is fine but is it a red flag I don't know what what may, who taught you what taught you that this would mean that he would be un- unfaithful or something like that mm. There are roots to this. There are definitely roots to this. Like we know that some, you know, of course there's an attention seeking. There everybody has that attention seeking, um, affirming all the red flags ever X in their background. <laughs> you know, like like that that taught them to be afraid of this. But I wanna just like take a step back and and challenge some of these thought patterns, these these assumed thought patterns that we're having. Um I just want to stress like this would be challenging for me too. And the work that I would want to do in this situation is I want to ask myself, is it wrong that my partner feels sexy today and takes the picture and wants to put it into the world? If that's wrong for you, then that's your boundary. Then that's what you bring to your par- to, to this person and say, I've sat on it. I've thought on it. I prayed on it. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to say. And I've decided that this makes me uncomfortable. Can we find a, a middle ground? You know, can we, can we work through this together? Or you can say, um, I'm going to assume... The, my partner's best intentions, I'm going to trust them to not like get into anything steamy in their DMs. Right. And I'm also mm-hmm. going to trust their intentions in posting this picture that, that I don't want the, the thing that it, oh, it came down to me for me and my partner is that I realized I love my partner too much to want to like lessen their, their joy, lessen their good yeah. feelings about themselves. I, I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to have it take up space in my brain, you know? And um, yeah, thoughts on that?
1: No, I absolutely agree with all of that. And I think one of the things too that we can sort of (laughs) complicate is this idea that we have that like folks who are seeking attention are somehow like shallow or not getting the real true attention that that they should be getting. Right. So they're seeking it out in these really bad places. But you can be a deep person with amazing personal connections to people and still really like the attention of strangers. Like both of those things can be true at the same time. And I want to challenge this notion that we have, because I think it's sexist, honestly, is where it comes from, of like the idea of like if you really like other people's attention, um, then you must be really shallow and you must be like. You must have daddy issues or you must like not have like a man that is like providing you with the things that you need to be provided Or you have low with, self-esteem
0: right? and you need to get it from other people. That's a yeah. huge thing that we can challenge is like, I don't, ha- I don't have low self-esteem, but if I take a, if somebody takes a picture of me that I think is, dare I say sexy and I post it and I feel good about posting it, and I feel good about people's comments. That doesn't mean that doesn't correlate to me having low self-esteem.
1: Right. Absolutely. But that's the story. That's, like, the narrative that we're, we've we been told. So, like, I want to challenge all of us to think about this type of thing differently and to recognize the fact that, like, you can post thirst traps on Instagram and still have a very, like, healthy, loving relationship. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and totally. Like, people can send you DMs that are like, I want to fuck you. And you can say, you can still be like, cool, I, like, I don't... It, That's not. That's on you. That's not on me, right? Like I don't want to fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, right. It's not. It's not necessarily your partner's fault that people are sexualizing something that doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, right? Like putting yourself out there and showing like your your confidence in your own body, right? Doesn't necessarily have to be like I want people to fuck me, right? It can just be like, hey, I'm really into my body, and also it's only for my partner, but I still think it's like a really fun thing yeah. to like get right or like
0: or like it's, I want other people to fuck me but I'm conveniently only fucking this person like that's also okay <laughs> yes. de the mind like desire sure. is for not sure. is not gonna be like segregated into one tiny little hallway of a person you know desires all right. over the place feeling good about yourself is all over the place
1: for sure so I, I would encourage you Robert to think about like places where you can affirm your partner and recognize too that like one of the best things about your partner getting attention is that at the end of the day, they come back to you. <laughs> oh right? Like yes. like they pick you. Like that's what's I love it. I love it when we go out to the bar and Peter gets attention because it just makes me so happy that other people see how wonderful and awesome he is. And like
0: And then he and goes then home then with you. He, it's hot. And
1: then he goes home with me. It's like so fun. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, this is so great. Yeah. We're choosing each other. I love this so much. And so like that's so cute. If you DM'd your boyfriend, he like your message would probably not be in competition. It would probably just be like the winner, like immediately. Yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah. fun about it. Like, that's what, that's what's a f- cool about it as well Is like, he might be getting a lot of attention and he's still picking you. Like yeah. that bigs you up as well. Yeah, like that, totally. that is like affirming of you. So I appreciate, and I, I see that this is like complicated and you're not the only one who's like dealing with this sort of feeling around this, um, what it means when your partner is sort of getting a lot of attention that isn't from you. Like, yes, that is like a tale as old as time. And that is like how we have been conditioned to view this type of stuff. Yeah. And to help heal you, right. To help affirm you as a person who wants to be in relationship with this man. Like how can you challenge some of that sort of rote stuff that we're doing that stuff that's just so deeply ingrained and remember that like your partner is choosing you Your partner has is entitled to like show his body as much as he wants, and that that doesn't mean that he's like doing something bad or wrong, and that you can sort of de-monogamize your mind and be like, yeah, other people's attention doesn't diminish mine. Other people's connections with this man doesn't make mine less important, right? Like we can all be in sort of relationship with each other, and yours. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't impact yours in any, in a, like in a zero sum yeah. way. Right. There's yeah. like no, there's no scarcity here. Yes. There's just abundance.
0: Or it <laughs> turns out that this person is unsafe. This person is untrustworthy that uh, the thing I keep going back to is like my last relationship was like a cesspool of anxiety and mistrust and infidelity. Right. And so mm. I was I was obsessing over everything he posted on Instagram and everybody's responses because I, because he taught me that it was an unsafe space. Right. Let me tell you something, Robert, you know how easy it is to trust a trustworthy person. (laughs) It it is fucking life changing. Um, Mm -hmm. This is all to say, if all of this goes awry awry and, and it all goes wrong and it, and, and somehow your worst fears are affirmed that, uh, that, and and this partner is unfaithful or whatever, it still doesn't necessarily mean that quote unquote, quote unquote thirst traps mean what we think they mean. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think our purpose in answering this letter is just to, is to push us all to sort of um, to free ourselves really. Doesn't it suck to have your brain like, taken over by these feelings of insecurity and judgment on a person that you have strong, affectionate feelings for. Like, you know, even with my ex who like did cheat on me, (laughs) I always felt so fucking nasty. I felt Mm. so poisonous when I felt so entitled over the attention he got or, Mm. you know, Uh things that brought him joy and made him feel good about himself. And so we're not one I'm definitely not saying this isn't hard. This is so relatable. You're not a bad person for having these feelings. Um, I I don't judge you at all for having these feelings. I, In fact, I relate to you. Number two, the story that you're telling yourself is only one story. It could be a myriad of reasons. It could be a myriad of, of explanations as to why your partner's posting these pictures. And 99% of them are probably okay. <laughs> and <laughs> at the end of the day, if... Three, if something does if if this be- behavior, I think this is what I want to say if the, if this behavior, we keep saying demonma in your mind, but like if this is uncomfortable for you and this this is not what you want out of a partner, then you need to be explicit about this with your partner, right? It doesn't do mm-hmm. either of you any service to to pretend like you are okay with something that at the end of the day, after all the head and her work, you're not okay with. Eh? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm um after all that work, though, lean into it, I guess
1: for sure, and I think one of the ways that you can provide clarity for yourself and sort of establish some ground rules for how your relationship functions is by talking to each other about this, right, yeah, and what are the parameters of of the dms right, like is he? Like what are is he allowed to respond to them? Like seriously, like what are some of the like yeses and nos for like how you want to like? Totally fine if he like likes things, but like sexually explicit stuff is like not you're not comfortable with that, right? Like you two together can establish some parameters around the relationship and how this sort of functions in a way that's not like you telling him what to do, but in a way that says like you are partners, equal partners in this relationship. And you're trying to find a way to sort of move together so that you can focus on the relationship and not on this stuff that might be sort of peripheral to it.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right, Robert. Um, I know we definitely made it more complicated, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but thus is the work. Um, thank you so much for writing. Thank you for listening. And we hope that this helps.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. We love you.
0: We love you. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within
1: reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 gold jewelry. And the best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince
0: only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and
1: Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q u slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash justbreakup.
0: All right, head and heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame
1: Use the middle person. <laughs> just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting
0: money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just That's rocketmoney.com slash just break Rocketmoney.com slash just All
1: right. Our next letter comes from Tumani Feelings. Like too many feelings. Cute. <laughs> it's supposed to be what it is. Uh, whose pronouns are he, him, who's writing from the void. Hey guys, first I want to say that I love y'all and that your banter brought me a lot of joy during a pretty lonely time. Quick anecdote, I found the JBU podcast in the fall of 2020 shortly after my breakup and I decided to start from episode one. I did not catch up to the present, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to you talk about well, your good daily luck lives. Hearing this
0: episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Listening to you talk about your daily lives before COVID felt like a strange time capsule. Okay, so now here's the story. I'm a 24-year-old straight male, pronouns he, him. The last two years of my undergrad were spent in a long-distance relationship with my ex, pronouns she, her. Until the relationship was over, I thought that she was the one. We grew up in the same hometown and officially met on the first day of high school. After becoming incredibly close over the course of two years, we had a falling out that kept us at arm's distance until we reconnected during the summer before my junior year of college. In essence, the relationship was a perfect romantic cocktail of common background, time, to, time apart to grow, and good old college horniness. It was the first serious relationship for both of us, so it felt very intense to begin with which was only magnified by the very high highs and very low lows Mm. of long distance across several states. Cut to the worst of which, when I found out that she had cheated on me with one of my best friends at the time. When you first talked about heartbreak being a physical pain, I have never related to anything more in my life. Unfortunately, the story did not end there. She begged for me to take her back and I reluctantly agreed, but as much as I wanted to be in it, I couldn't look past the hurt. I cheated on her shortly after with a random girl from Bumble. I know, the worst. She forgave me and we both tried to look past it and view it as a clean slate for both of us. However, what was once an emotionally mature relationship quickly turned into a routine of toxic behavior from both parties, characterized by resentment, i.e. lashing out and then crawling back to each other. I wish I had understood what trauma bonding was in that moment anyway cut to the very end she was going on a work training that would keep her mostly out of communication for about three months i told myself that if we could make it through that we could make it through anything and i would start planning for a future with her i.e save for a ring i know not a valid reason to get married she must have been able to read my thoughts because out of the blue she facetimed me to tell me that she wanted to break up looking back it was a long time coming and something that we both needed but in the moment it felt so rushed so i asked her if she was sure but I didn't pry any further because it felt like we had failed the final test. She said she was sure, insert typical feelings of embarrassment associated with being dumped. Turns out she had hooked up with someone from her training and they were officially together shortly after. Hmm. Here's my question. Why is it that I can see something so is so blatantly unhealthy when I look back and write this out, but when I was in it, I wrote it off as normal problems that couples work through? Because it was my first relationship, did I over romanticize the whole thing? What are some ways I can remind myself to continue evaluating the quality of a relationship even when I'm totally in love with someone? It's been a year and to be completely honest, I have struggled with moving on even though I do want to find someone else. I've moved on in the sense that I don't want to be with her again and I know we aren't good together, but I still question whether I'll ever feel as good with someone else. I'm living in a new city, which felt like a fresh start. But the reality is that I'm having a hard time connecting with new people, not just romantically, but with friendships and with colleagues. I have two very old, very close friends who are with me in this new city, so don't worry too much about me. I miss the vulnerability and intimacy that comes with having a partner, but I also feel like I can never get to that point because I feel inauthentic during talking stages and I'm terrified of scaring people away or being labeled an emotional guy if I talk about my current feelings." I know that there is growth that occurs when being alone, but after a year of self-reflection and searching for what makes me happy, I don't feel any closer to the answer. I've done counseling in the past and will probably seek out some again. On the other hand, I can't tell you how amazing it was feeling not so alone when I listened to letters from your podcast. I love y'all and hope I can find two queer best friends like you guys in my real life. Sincerely, your third straight male listener. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm such a sucker for that. (laughs) All right, Tumani feelings. Thank you so much for writing. Um, and yeah, so sorry that you felt this extreme pain and that you've mm. been still processing it over the last year. Um it's hard. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but I don't I don't think there is anything more true than saying uh toxic relationships are fucking addictive as hell. Hell, they are addictive <laughs> as hell because, yeah, not only is there trauma bonding and love bombing and um, such extreme, such extremes, period, you know. Mm-hmm. And we've been, you know, you talked about like y- over romanticizing, we've been conditioned to see toxic behaviors in relationships as romantic, um, as. Necessary as um, normal, you know, Um, Uh but on top of all of that, the cycle between the good times and the bad times, the cruelty and the kindness, those highs and lows, it's so addictive. It's so cyclical, you know, you get things get really wrong and you you feel like almost a zombie level. Of desire, like literally, like no central cortex or whatever—is <laughs> that the right word? A zombie urge to 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 fix it, right? Because it can't mm. stay this bad, right? You can't end it being this bad, you know, like. Like you have to fight for it, and even if you don't want it, even if it's so toxic and so hurtful, well, we have to make it right before we break up. And then when it's right, it's so good that you're on a high of it being so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's a vicious thing.
1: It is for sure, and. It is hard in those situations to see it for what it is too, especially Mm -hmm. if this is your first relationship as Mm -hmm. well, right? Like, um, you know, again, we're all doing everything for the first time, right? In, in whatever moment. And so the idea that, that you weren't able to identify some of these toxic behaviors is because you've never experienced them before. So how are you supposed to know that they're, they're toxic or that they're harmful to you? Right? We can do a lot of reading, we can do a lot of listening to podcasts or whatever it is that can like sort of help us maybe identify some of those things sooner, but it is really hard in a relationship when things are toxic to know necessarily that they're toxic, especially if we've never experienced anything else before. So if you don't know what it feels like to be in a relationship that is working really well or where there's communication and trust and a foundation um, it can be hard to identify, like, places where where things aren't going well. And even if that has happened, it can still be hard to identify, right? <laughs> right? Like, right. even if you've dated someone and it's been, it was a really healthy relationship, you can also find yourself again in a toxic one and be like, wait a minute, how did I get here, right? Yeah. Like, that happens all the time, too. So, like... Uh, I don't think that you are alone in any way of of looking back and being like, wow, that behavior was really toxic and still it happened and still yeah. I didn't think anything of it or like I thought that this was okay for me to be doing or my partner to be doing. Like, I think yeah. that that's a very human uh, thing that's happening.
0: You know what? Um, like, I love to look into when I was like processing some abusive relationships in my life is cults. <laughs> There are there are wild similarities with cults and toxic relationships, including like love bombing and cognitive dissonance, like when when everything in the in the world is like presenting one truth, but you choose to believe another one. Um, that's just like a general side note. Like maybe watch a couple cult documentaries, yeah. and you remember <laughs> that we humans are incredibly fallible in. Um, we are desperate for connection and i mean that in in not a in not a pathetic way but in a in the most human way possible we want love we want to be seen so of course when somebody toxic says i love you and i see you but only in this toxic way we we take it sometimes that's that's just it's unfortunately in our nature and some people might sound think that that sounds depressing but for me it's like well, thank God I'm not the broken one. Like we are designed this way, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and as Sam said, we're all doing this for the first time. There's no love manual. Like there's no directions on how to get this right. And it's, it's human nature to want to see the best in someone else, even when um, the best is like a flaming pile of baby diapers used, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yep. Um, no, I yeah. think that
1: that's absolutely true, and I think you know, I'm thinking about our conversation with Virgie, the one that's coming out on Thursday, yeah. yeah. And you know, she talked about how the systems of capitalism, systems of white supremacy, systems of sexism, right, are making it hard for us to be in tune with our intuition as well, yeah, yeah, right, and thinking about sort of the ways in which we're taught to not trust ourselves or that like there are ways that relationships are supposed to work that are not in line with like actual connection or like what we actually need to be nourishing for us. Um, And I think it, it makes sense that those that, that we often sort of lose touch with that intuition to say like, wait a minute, I'm not feeling good here. So like maybe something needs to change because We're taught to to not question things and to go with it. And like, this is the way that things are. So um, you ask sort of, how do you continue to evaluate the quality of a relationship? Even when I'm totally in love with someone, Um, it is sort of getting back in touch with, presence with ourselves with like whether or not things are working with us. And that's like a lifetime journey. (laughs) Like that is like a, that is a forever thing. It's not like, Hey, check off all of these boxes and then suddenly you are like fully and deeply in touch with yourself. Yeah, It's like, it is a practice that you sort of have to build up over and over again to be like, am I being treated well? Am I feeling connected to this person? is this feeling real and honest and authentic or like what, what needs to change? What needs to stay the same? Um, And it's work. It like, you just have to continue to do it. And so like, how do you, how do you remind yourself? Is that like, you can even set reminders, right? You know, that Mm -hmm. book that Sierra recommends around the seven habits of healthy, mindful relationships or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) 25, maybe whatever that book is. (sighs) Like one of the things is like doing relationship check-ins, like, putting it on the calendar and being like, is this working for us or is this not working for us? And you can do that with yourself too, of like every month, every week, every hour, I'm gonna check and like see how things are going. But it is a practice that has to be built up.
0: Yeah, the book is called Mindful Relationship Habits, 25 Practices for couples (laughs) to enhance intimacy, (laughs) nurture closeness and grow a deeper connection. But I will say that that is a book for, People who are coupled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I actually love this book. I I'm glad that you mentioned it because now I'm going to reach out to the authors and see if we can interview them. <laughs> but um, sort of on the same train though is um, like mindfulness, a connection with the self, their sense of intuition um, is a lifelong journey, as Sam said. And they, you know there are ways. I think a great way to. Pri- like to nurture that self is to prioritize the relationship with the self as much as we prioritize a connection with others. Um, Mm. Think of yourself as someone that you want to date. Like I, I I don't always love that advice. In fact, I don't love it period (laughs) ever Sure. (laughs) because like dating yourself. Yeah. That's, it's like really hard to like want to date yourself when like, it's not nearly as exciting or affirming, or, and it's kind of cheesy and like <laughs> it's lonely. Oh, you know? I
1: love it! I'm so yeah. in- I I'm so into it.
0: <laughs> I, I I'm into the how about this? I'm into the idea of it. I'm not into that packaging of dating yourself. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, you know, take yourself out to dinner. Like, yeah, okay, but like. I be, I guess what I want to say is like nurturing the self is as important as finding nurturing from others. Maybe not like mm. taking yourself out to dinner and, you know, then buying yourself a glass of wine and, you know, having a good time with yourself later.
1: I mean, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds, that sounds lovely.
0: <laughs> yes, it is lovely. But I'm saying like, I don't, I don't like the language of dating yourself. I'm just being picky right now. Um, I, okay. So to our letter writer Mani, I have had two what I would argue like several toxic relationships with two abusive relationships. I say several toxic relationships because as we've been reiterating like nobody knows how to fucking do this. So we were all learning as we were going and even the even the relationships with the best intentions when I was younger, we were both young and learning and like trying to unlearn some toxicity. Mm. That being said, I I feel like I've I've had two arguably abusive relationships in which toxic behavior was coming from all different directions. And it took me a long time to really process and learn and heal from those relationships. And they, they happened, I swear to God, like a decade apart. (laughs) So Mm -hmm, I've mm -hmm. said on the show before, like I cannot, I couldn't believe that I got into another abusive relationship. What I wish I would have done during The interim between the two where you are right now is gone to therapy, Mm. prioritized examining what healthy relationships look and feel like by, I don't know, listening to Just Break a Podcast. But also (laughs) like having vulnerable conversations with my friends about boundaries, trust, growth, vulnerability, things like that. Um, Started to think about the health, like Where did I come from? What were the relationships modeled to me in my childhood and younger years? And how am I how am I playing out those models of relationships in my day to day life? Like, I I this I don't even fault you if you do none of that. That's okay because that's what our fucking twenties are just like making it through, making it up as we go along. But what I Mm -hmm. wish I would have done, done, was just slowed down and been a little bit more mindful about some of these things instead of joy seeking in a toxic way. Like, uh, it wasn't even joy seeking. It was like distraction seeking through my twenties.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little self-destructive too. Yeah.
0: Cheers to that. <laughs> Made it out alive somehow.
1: <laughs> We're here. Here we are yeah, in this yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I'll say to you as well, Tumani, is thinking about like, as you are having a hard time connecting to new people, I just want to affirm that that is really normal. Right, And say, like, it is hard to connect with new people um, because we're also guarded, because we're all taught to not show each other ourselves because uh, that's bad or people are going to hurt us or that somehow makes us weak or something, especially as a man, too. Um, And that you're like worried that people are going to see that you're like an emotional guy. And I want to say that, like, you are an emotional guy, right, because all guys are emotional. All men have emotions, even if they are not sort of able to express them. And you want to be with someone who's going to want to be with an emotional guy, right? Because you're going to want to be with someone who wants to be with you as an emotional person. So don't be afraid of that, right? And I'm speaking to you and I'm also speaking to all of the men out there to say like, yep, we all have emotions and we are all capable of expressing them in healthy ways. And I want to talk to folks who are dating men as well to say, do not expect the men that you're dating to be unemotional, right? Oh do not encourage that type of behavior from folks um, and create space in your heart, right? Like we're talking about demonogamizing our mind. We also wanna de-gender our minds as well, right? To say like, do not sort of expect the men in your life to not have emotion. And when right. they show you emotion, support and care for them and show them that you're a safe person for them to show that to. And we need to all challenge ourselves around these prescribed gender roles that we have around how people should show up based on the genitals that they have yes. and instead sort of like figure out how we can support each other in the fullness of our humanity, which is inclusive of all different types of expression and genders. And so like, I just wanted to like get on my high horse a little bit about that because I I hear the hurt that you're experiencing of feeling... Like you can't, like people are not going to love you because you're emotional. And I just want to say to you that I love you and I love you deeply and you are an emotional person. And I love that about you and that we, that you are going to find people who are going to support you in that emotionalness. Like there are people out there that are going to see that as a true asset because that's what it is. Being in touch with your emotions is a true asset.
0: Absolutely. And I love you too. And we hope that this helps.
1: Thank you so much for writing.
0: Our third and final letter comes to us from Seth on the Road, whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing to us from currently DC. Hey, Sam and Sierra. Sam and Sierra. I can't get that out of my head. Hey, Sam. And Sierra. There we go. Uh-huh. My name is Seth and I'm 23 years old. I grew up in a small town with less than a thousand people, but was able to get out and now get to travel for my day job. I love the opportunity I have to travel to so many places, meet so many cool people and share some parts of my experience as well. Normally I'm the type of person to openly share almost anything about myself, but I've started to realize that maybe there are some things that I'm not open about even to myself. I have the special privilege of being able to travel for work, mostly to cool colleges to work with students being a resource for young leaders as they work in various organizations on their campuses. While I definitely miss out on being a part of the community like I did while I was in college, I still get to help other college students find themselves and their homes, which I find very fulfilling. Here's where my problem shows up. As I serve as a role model for my students, I have a sort of presence that I have to live up to as many of them see me as an advisor of sorts. As someone who graduated college recently, I want to show my students that I am someone they can confide in and show an authentic version of myself. But unfortunately, I actually do struggle a lot with my identity currently. While I cannot put myself into any exact spot within the LGBTQ community, I do realize that I do not stand firmly with the traditional masculine standards. I really love seeing people wear cool outfits that lie outside of the traditional gender binary or at least out of the boring Midwest office culture that I fit inside, which I find myself trapped in when I would love the opportunity to explore what a different version of myself would look like while also trying to exist within a professional space. I'm grateful to see a lot of college students showing up more authentically, whether it be how they dress or what their genders are, but I feel like I miss the boat or being able to explore that part of myself or at the very least struggle to find the time to explore it as I am traveling all the time for work. Some days I think it's as simple as I should try doing drag shows and express myself that way, but other times I question if there's not a part of me, I should just be living every day. For context, I've only ever been in straight relationships, been in very straight passing roles, and have only flirted with the idea of being bi when someone points out when I do or say something that doesn't always seem straight. I've been able to educate myself a lot more on gender issues, But I still feel more comfortable being in a straight-passing privileged body and wouldn't want to break that for my work reputation or future career and relationship goals. But for me, I wouldn't feel ready to come out as I don't even know if there is anything to come out with. Perhaps I just want to dress differently and express myself in a way that I currently don't. Or perhaps there's a part of me I don't know yet. Honestly, I don't know, and my general feelings on these thoughts go back and forth almost every day. While on the road, I've tried swapping my dating app settings from women to everyone so I can see about going on a date with someone who is gay, but I always get scared and turn it back to just women. Like, what if I'm just leading them on and they feel like another bi-curious experiment? I want to be respectful and not to put their time to find a partner in the way of my confusion slash exploration. I suppose here are my questions. How do I explore my sexuality slash gender expression safely and find a more authentic version of myself without harming others who have already known what they want? Am I overthinking what people will th- would think of me or am I correct to have some caution of how my friends slash work life may look at me differently? I'm worried this all would come off as me just trying to be trendy when really I just want to be more authentic to myself and those around me. Even if you don't get to talk about this letter on the show, I want to thank you for making Just Break Up a positive queer space as it helps me think more in that space, even if I find it uncomfortable to express it within me. I have learned so much already from your podcast and have found it comforting when I'm on the road alone and can hear a familiar voice. Thankfully, I have several friends who I've been able to share the show with as well and apply what you share to others' aspects other aspects of my relationships already. So I will appreciate whatever hard truths you may provide within this letter. Best Seth on the road.
1: Uh, All right, Seth, thank you so much for writing to us. And, um, you know, I just want to say that I see you in your confusion. Yeah. Um, And I, I love and appreciate the fact that you are trying to figure out who you are. Um, And I, and also as a person in a male body, I also um, deeply empathize with the ways in which you feel like you have to sort of fit in a in a particular box in order to be respected or looked Mm -hmm. up to and that you feel like you have to sort of fall back on dressing in a particular way or acting in a particular way in order for people to see and respect you. Mm -hmm. Um, I am 10 years older than you. I'm a full decade older and I I also still struggle with that too of sort of finding a place for myself in a world that expects me to wow. behave in a particular way and with at the same time some of the guilt that comes with falling back into that safe place of knowing that I can always sort of go back into my sort of like male persona that I present to people and not have to face discrimination or not have to face people looking weird at me, right? Like it, it's both comfortable, comfortable to be in that space and also deeply uncomfortable because it makes me feel guilty about the fact that I'm hiding things from people in order to sort of preserve my own access to power and to privilege. So, um, all that to say is that I just like, I deeply empathize with this letter and I, I see you in this experience and, um, I really appreciate you being willing to write in and talk about it because it is something that we don't get a whole lot of opportunity to talk about on the show. Yeah. Um, about sort of the ways in which um, expectations around masculinity also deeply affect men too, yes. right? And and sort of these gender roles also inhibit men from being their true selves as well.
0: Yes. This this letter truly um, exhibits for me how deep and complex. Our like our our cultural gender wound is you know like I think mm-hmm. about it like mm-hmm. tree roots you know how the expectations of masculinity and of of hetero presenting men right in a heteronormative sexist you know patriarchy um, how mm-hmm. it how it really limits how we present how, specifically male-bodied people present themselves, who they think that they can date, what they can wear. Um, and it's an intoxicating wound, right? Because like like you said, there's also a security and a privilege in it, right? So the tension mm-hmm. is, do I explore this part of me um, that I have been taught is um, unsafe, that I've been taught that is, that is um the the outside the the unknown the other mm-hmm. right, or do I stay safe in this place of, um, in this and I, and I'm using the word privilege here. Um, we know that this benefits you, but I in this particular tension, it's more about safety, right? It's more about like. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people would stay in a safe place, right? A lot of people would stay in that um, nuanced power um, because because the world is so scary and the world can be so um, addicted to our ideas of gender and our ideas of sexuality and our ideas of um, the, the the ideals of the patriarchy were so were so deeply connected to them in such an addictive like toxic way. Um, I I don't I I don't blame this struggle. You know, like I don't um, I don't blame you for feeling this tension, um, Seth. And like Sam said, I think I'm I'm grateful that we can talk about it. Like he said, we don't get a lot of letters like this, but we I know that this is out there. <laughs> I know like my mm-hmm. male partners have expressed. This extreme limitation and, and that, you know, you mentioned this in the last letter, Sam, like people who are dating men don't expect them to be emotionless. I know that I have Mm. inflicted gendered violence through my expectations on my male partners. You know, I have not, I have, I have felt, I have limited them in their expression of themselves through my, through my own gendered expectation of them. And, uh, Mm. It's just such a fucking like I said, it's like a tree root wound. You know, it aff- affects all mm-hmm. of us in so many different ways.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I also think that there's there's sort of this expectation of like surety when it comes to gender and sexuality. Oh my God, yes. Like we should always be sure of things, and like experimenting is bad, or like not knowing means that you like don't know yourself self enough and i i also want to push back against that yeah. and say that like gender and sexuality can be really fixed for some people and it can also be really fluid for other people and that there's like no right or wrong way necessarily of exploring that that sort of surety or that like that all of the different ways in which gender and sexuality can be experienced and expressed so like i i don't feel strongly (laughs) about what my gender is in this moment. Right. I feel more attached to my sexuality and sort of what it is. And I can also like be open to the idea that there might be different things that might happen. (laughs) Right. Right. Like I can also be open to the idea of like, I don't necessarily have to be sure all the time. Right. Um, And I think that like politically sort of that surety has been helpful right the idea of like well I was born gay and so I am just like straight people except for this one little thing and so therefore I deserve the rights and privileges of the straight people around me like that has been a really helpful political move for yes. queer people um, actually particularly for gay men and gay women right gay cis men and women um, but like The reality is, is that like there's a whole spectrum of sexuality and gender that exists and that like we should feel able to explore and understand that more deeply and come into our understanding of ourselves. Not just because of like suddenly we are like ingrained, we are born ingrained in a particular thing, but also come to know ourselves through experiencing things. Right. And through trying things and through Wearing different types of clothing or trying on different pronouns or, you know, having sex or having relationships with all different types of genders, right? And that isn't to say that we should like treat people like experiments, right? But I I do want to push back on this notion of like the idea of somebody sort of going on a date with somebody of a gender that they that they aren't sure that they're attracted to is somehow like exploitative right or somehow like a bad thing. I think that you can do it in a respectful way. Right. I think if you can be upfront with what is happening with you and you can be honest about sort of the expectations like. I would be happy to go on a date with a man who identifies as straight, but is like. I'm not sure I think that I might also be into men. Like I would like I think that that is such a beautiful thing for somebody to express and want to explore. And especially because we grow up in this sort of presumed heterosexuality, this presumed sort of like cisgenderness as well that we don't even have time to explore those things in our youth, right? right. Like as young people when we could be spending time figuring out what those attractions are and what those those expressions are of gender are. Like We don't have that. And so like we have to do it once we're (laughs) once we're older. And I love that you are 23 and that you think that you like are old too old to like do that. (laughs) Like it's just (laughs) like you are still so young. You have like still so much life in front of you to be able to do that exploration and come to know yourself more deeply. I have absolutely no expectation of you to know yourself deeply right now, right? I don't have expectation of me as a 33 year old to know everything about myself. Like, and I don't expect my mother who is 69 years old this year to deeply, like to know every aspect of herself, right? right? Like that's just... That's just life. And so I love the idea of you figuring out what this means for you, of you being open to the possibility of something outside of prescribed masculinity and heterosexuality, right?
0: Yeah. And that could be anything you wanted to, you know, like, I think that there's this sort of, we work so hard to like push away from the binary in conversations about um, sexuality, but we also like we enforce sexuality and gender, but we enforce it as well because and and I'm talking mm-hmm. about gatekeepers within the queer community too. You know, um, the 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 biophobia and bi erasure um, and the um, non binary erasure that kind of gets caught up in these conversations because the tension that I hear in this letter, Seth, is. I am, I'm somewhere and I don't know where, but I, but I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not queer enough. Mm. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm too cisgendered or, you know, like I have to be all or nothing. I have to be sure of myself, sure of this exploration. Um, but that's this, that's that forced binary that we put on ourselves, even, even within the queer community um, that we, we want things to be one way or another. You know, we want our non-binary siblings to look non-binary instead of, you know, looks present cisgendered or whatever, you know, we want our queer, you know, we want, especially for men, like talking about this gender wound, we want our bisexual men to be closeted gays or to be super effeminate or like, we want to be able to code people Mm -hmm. as things. And all of this is, Our wounds, right? Like, all of this is wrong. I'm not defending any of this. Um, Right. And and so also, you know, speaking to your experience, like, I, I don't know what you identify with, but like, we want our heterosexual cisgendered men to stay in that lane and to not wear dresses, Right. We, like literally, mm-hmm. people's ex- minds explode when heterosexual cis men wear dresses. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes. You fucking kidding yep. me? You know, like we want we want them to be trans, or we want them to be bisexual, or you know, like we we mm-hmm. we're, we we're so li- limited in our exception of other people or or acceptance of other people, um, especially when it comes to fucking gender. Um, And so I just (laughs) want to say explicitly, like don't enforce that binary on you. You can be whatever you want. You can be a straight man who, who loves to dress wearing dresses because dresses aren't women's clothing because clothing's are inanimate. Clothing is inanimate objects. (laughs) They don't have genitals. Like they don't have sex, you know, Mm -hmm. genders and, or sexes and, or you could be somebody like me who's bisexual, who sleeps with people of any gender, right? Um, because mm-hmm. I fall in love with people, and, uh, or you could be somebody who is predominantly straight, who likes to explore. I want to talk about the word experiment a little. um, mm. but just to summarize that thought before is just like, I think we we want so much of ourselves and other people that we don't make any room for the nuance of the human experience. Like we want the, we want people to fit into categories. And so we reject the people who have like one foot into the door and the rest of their lives in the other room, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And that for sure, like we've said a hundred times already is is the gendered wound. Right. Um, Right. So you are enough, period. You are enough wherever you are on that spectrum.
1: For sure. And I am much less interested in policing whether or not people are queer enough to be part of the community and much more interested in holding people accountable to doing the healing that will stop them from enacting gender based violence on people. And on (laughs) themselves, yeah. Right. Like it's like, you know, if if you are like Seth and you are, uh, you know, sort of exploring what that means for you or if you're like a straight man who wants to like wear dresses and like be an ally to queer people. Right. Like I'm absolutely on board with that. And I like the only expectation I have of you is that you are not that you are getting into understanding more deeply the way in which gender and expectations around sexuality are harming people and working to fight those things. Right. Like that's my expectation to like bring you into this family. Like that is the, that is the in grouping that I want to be doing here is like, who is doing that work and who is not? Cause I know gay men who are not doing that work. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, who are intentionally like using their masculinity and using that identity to get access to things that like they wouldn't have access to otherwise, but are not doing the work around challenging their own understandings of gender and sexuality. So like I love and appreciate you Seth. And that's the only thing that I would ask for you to do in this moment, right? Like you don't have to be sure about who you are. You don't have to be sure about like who you are attracted to and that I want you to be committing to with, in partnership with us, dismantling the systems of gender and sexuality that have continued to create a hierarchy of human value, a false hierarchy of human value, and that hurt everyone, yeah. that hurt all people, some more disproportionately than others, but, like, that impact all people. So that's the only thing that I need you to do in order to be part of this club, right? Yeah. Like, that's the only thing that I need you to be to be participating in. But otherwise, like i I don't really need to know like yeah. how you are experimenting in this or how you are experiencing your own sexuality and gender. I just need you to be sort of fighting with us against these these systems of oppression,
0: yeah, really quickly, last little note I want to say about the word experimenting. I do want to acknowledge mm-hmm. um you know the people who are sensitive to being experimented on, have a specific wound, right? Have a lived experience, mm-hmm. whether it's like a, a an ingrained cultural understanding or a lived experience that taught them that people who are not f- fully gay or fully out or whatever are unsafe for them. And at the end of the day, we mm-hmm. cannot deny people that wound, right? I cannot deny mm-hmm. that an ex of mine— was fucked over several times by by a bisexual person and so she didn't trust that I was bisexual, right? I can't deny her sure. that wound. I can, however, affirm my identity, right? I can affirm myself and know that I am that I move through the world with the best intentions, that I make mistakes like everyone else, but that I know my sexuality, I know my desires and like Sam said, those those identities are ever evolving that like I, I could be a different person next year, next month, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I want to affirm people who are sensitive to the, in the queer community who are sensitive to that feeling. Um, I want to affirm that wound and also remind them and all of us that like we are are all experiments (laughs) like, like (laughs) life is one big experiment. Um, And Uh that I, you know, in the same way that I love to tell people that like you could be um, in heterosexual relationships your entire life. And then when you're 70, you could meet someone who blows your fucking mind, who changes your entire understanding of sex and desire. Um, Like in that same way, you know, like, are we going to deny people that experience? Are we going to, de- you know, are we in the career community going to be gatekeepers and deny people the right to their full humanity? You know, I'm not talking about like excusing people who hurt us, but we can understand mm-hmm. that they're just humans. Um, Like you said, there's such a negative stigma around the word experimenting, but like, isn't that what I did? Isn't that what I do every day? Like when I try on a new Eyebrow look, or you know, when I when I go out to coffee with a new friend and see if we're like if we if we vibe, you know, like if I try a new thing in bed with my significant other. Um, I, obviously, I understand mm-hmm. it's a little bit more nuanced that when that when we're talking about like interpersonal relationships. I know it's more complicated than that, but I I want to destigmatize the idea of experimenting when it comes to gender and sexuality. While acknowledging that there is a wound out there about that within the mm. cure community, but like if we if we deny people the opportunity to quote unquote experiment in the world then no one is going to try something new. And I mean, nothing new, no innovation, right? No new Mm -hmm. relationship habits, no breaking out of cycles of trauma and abuse. Right. Um, So I want to just shift our understanding of that and tell Seth and everyone out there, including the people wounded by someone who was quote unquote, experimenting is that like, we all have the opportunity and the privilege to do something new. um, And that, we should work to like destigmatize that.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. And you can be respectful and, and do this process. Yeah. Right. Like you can be honest about what you're experiencing and what you're going through. Right. I And I think, you know, people just don't want to be tricked. Right. And also people get tricked in relationships all the time. Yeah, I right. Mean, like
0: that's that's what I feel like. It's <laughs> like we, we all put like, yeah, you could say uh, when I think about it in the past, You know, you could put on your dating app or you're in your dating conversations of like, um, I've actually never, you know, like for me, I'm going to talk from my experience. I've never dated a a woman before. Um, Are you comfortable with that? Um, Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then you can then honor yourself, right? Honor yourself and say, then. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to have to prove my queerness to you. I have, I have a human yeah. right to, ex, to, to exploration. And I thought you were cool, but like, maybe we're not cool. <laughs> like, you know, For sure. Um, yeah. it's, 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 it's this idea that we have to meet all of these binary checkpoints and um, we don't,
1: <laughs> we don't. <laughs> so it's like, we just like. We never, we never will. We can, yeah. we are never going to be pure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, we are yeah, just yeah. never going to be, none of us, even as much as we pretend, is ever going to be like a particular thing for forever. Right, <laughs> like, right. It is just like not going to happen. And so like we all have the capacity to grow, explore, experiment, find new ways of being and loving in this world. And I, I, will, I want to foster a world where that is, that's loved, where that is, endorsed for yes. that is like something that we ex- think is an asset to our community
0: yeah last thing last thing uh we're long episode so i'm gonna just say this this like really such
1: a long episode
0: that's okay <laughs> uh listen seth you are authentic right now i i see mm. this struggle reflected in me uh, um, in the past and in so many of our letters this feeling of like I'm not being authentic enough. I'm not, I'm hiding a part of myself. Well, then that is your authentic self right now. Your authentic self is mm. this being who's cracking out of their shell. But that doesn't mean you are not authentic, right? It doesn't mean you are a broken or less than or like, um, you know, half molded human being. No, no, no. Like you are whole even as you grow, right? Which is the affirmation on the notebook if you want to go buy it on our <laughs> website. <laughs> Um,
1: that's right always be hustling
0: <laughs> but I, I mean that just so genuinely because like I see a lot of tension in my yo- in my younger queer community about like uh, you know especially from like my fellow like bi folks you know about being enough about feeling like that they're missing out on a part of their authenticity or or like that they're like failing they're failing us somehow by not being authentic but it's like, what if we shifted the whole fucking world around and said, I am authentic right now. This is who I am right now. Do I want to shift them some things? Maybe. Do I want to give myself permission to explore some things? Definitely. Do I? But but am I whole right now? Am I worthy right now? Um, am I my whole self? Like, I'm I'm not. I'm enough right now. You are enough right now, Seth. Is That's all I want to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, my darling.
1: Uh, we love you, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
0: for giving the opportunity to talk about this, and we hope that this helps.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: This brings us to the blind date segment of this episode, in which every show, we want to shout out something that we love uh, and that we want to send you home with. And this week, we are setting you up with?
1: A TV show called Midnight Mass. Mm. It is on Netflix. Um It's by the same people who did The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Blythe Manor. Okay, okay, okay. And it is about a a small community that lives on an island off of somewhere. I think it's in like the Northeast United States. Um, And there's like a priest that comes that is like helping cure the sick and um, like making old people become young. Um, And I don't want to give anything away because I don't want to spoil any of it um but it is i we finished it probably like three weeks ago four weeks ago um and i can't stop thinking about it like it is it was just so wild the whole thing was just like beautifully done it was weird it was creepy it was eerie um and it was just like this the way that the story unfolded towards the end was just like so bizarre and so cool um and i loved every minute of it uh, I will warn you that it starts out really slow, which is intentional. So just like stick with it as it goes, because it's going to everything that happens in the beginning, like is paid in dividends by the mm, end of it. So I can't wait. Um, if you're into creepy um, horror sort of stuff, uh, if you really liked The Haunting of Hill House, um, I think you're really going to like this. So it's uh, called Midnight Mass and you can find it on Netflix.
0: I'm going to check that out for sure.
1: All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod.
0: You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and make sure to stay tuned to our second ever installment of Head & Hardware Conversations, an interview with Virgie Tovar coming out this Thursday.
1: Please remember to follow, like, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and consider <laughs> supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash just This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
0: Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify. And remember, you are only who you are right now and always effortlessly, unconditionally, and authentically. You are allowed to grow and change within that. Change is an inherent part of your authenticity. And the idea of being true to yourself is one that comes with seasons. And if all else fails.
1: Just break up.